right, back here on the Peter Egg Radio Show. Thanks to our friends over at Terrell's Auto Service, 613 East Peyton Street is where you'll find them in Greentown, Indiana. Any problems with your vehicle, I know that they are ready and willing and able to help you out. They know more about what's going on under the hood of your car than anybody you could ever imagine. Professionalism, integrity, honesty, you'll love them. At Terrell's Auto Service, good friends of Attaboy Productions. Inc., as are our, our friends over at Ben Soft Pretzels, make sure you pick up a Ben Soft Pretzel today. They're mouth-watering. They are delicious. You will love them. You can try out their um, uh, their dipping sauces that they've got there. Just eat the original. You'll love them. Anything at Ben Soft Pretzels. It is outstanding. All right. Dear Abby, I, I guess my first question is how many people really still read this? Maybe there's an undercurrent that I'm unaware of, and obviously they're still printing this, so uh, so so I don't know. Hasn't um, the, dear Abby has changed, right? Abby's different than the the old Abby, right? I don't know, but I, to me, it seems like this has been going on for a while. <laughs> this nonsense has been going on for a while. But, uh, but but whichever it is, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, the advice was really dumb, and uh, it's probably uh, true more often than not. I just don't typically follow the Dear Abby advice column, and I think most people probably, if they seriously have a sincere question, uh, they don't count on Dear Abby responding to their letter. Uh, she's getting them for all over the country. So a person that's you know in a real moral quandary is going to go and seek advice somewhere else to get it in a quick fashion and a more reliable fashion than somebody that's, well, you know, hides behind a pen name. Nonetheless, here is the question that was posed to Dear Abby. Dear Abby, my son came out of the closet last year. My first reaction was to tell him it was okay. I'd already suspected that he was. I love him dearly. Uh, That he was what? You already suspected that he was what? The logical response to that is he was already, you know, I suspected he was gay. Okay. There's our first problem right there. That's the first thing that needs to be addressed. This idea that somebody is gay. Somebody may have homosexual attractions. Somebody may have homosexual urges. And they may be quite natural to them. They may, may be quite powerful to them. But that doesn't mean a person has to or is or does act on those urges. There are a lot of men who are married who have never had a homosexual thought in their minds, but they sometimes lust after women that are not their wives. Those are very natural urges of theirs. It doesn't change the reality. It would still be wrong for them to act on those urges. So I wonder if this this woman in question could have written the letter, my son came out and told me that he was having an illicit affair. My first reaction was to tell him it was okay. I'd already suspected that he was. Just because a person decides to act on their natural urges does not automatically mean that it is okay or that that is their identity. Behavior is not identity. So anyway, right off the bat, if I'm writing this advice column, I say we need to go back to really your second, your third sentence because that's where we've got some problems, we've got some issues, we've got some things that are not falling in line properly and appropriately. Um, but let me just go on with the letter so I can get to the, the heart of this, which is Dear Abby's response. Uh, 
I love him dearly, and we're a close family. His brothers and sisters also accept and love him. In other words, they condone his sinful behavior. My husband and I, because, again, this idea that you must condone behavior in order to show love, um, absurd. My husband and I are now struggling because we're not sure how God really views gays and lesbians. To listen to some religious people, my son will go to hell. I can't believe that God would create a person to be this way, then turn his back on him. I tried reading the Bible, but the wording was hard to understand. I don't want to talk to my pastor about it because even though I've accepted my son for who he is, I still have trouble talking to people about it because I'm not sure how they'll react. Do you believe a gay person will go to heaven? Okay, this is such a such a heartbreaking letter in so many contexts. And maybe the first the, the first one is that this is a person who apparently has a minister, so apparently has a church, and yet they are unclear about where God stands on the issue of homosexuality. Has their church been equipping them? And maybe, again, I don't know, because I don't know the church. Maybe the church has been going out of their way to train and to make disciples. Maybe this isn't a faithful attender. Maybe this is somebody that that has never put in the effort to actually have a relationship with Christ. And that is obviously my second assessment in all of this. Um, if, you, if you don't know, if you don't understand um, how God feels about the issue of homosexuality, and you say, I tried reading my Bible as though this was this was the first time I think dealing with biblical illiteracy here, um, well, that may be that may be the issue. Fourthly, in all of this, to say, well, you know, I thought about trying the Bible, but I can't understand it. I don't really want to talk to my pastor, um, so I'm just going to turn to this uh, liberal lady in the newspaper and ask her what she thinks about who gets into heaven. And I guess my question is, are you going to take that authoritatively? If I am Dear Abby, if I'm writing that column, the first thing, well, obviously I would start addressing back in the second the third sentence. But the next thing that I would ask is, I would hope that you wouldn't just take my blind advice at face value. Because what am I? Ultimately, I am a human being. And I bring into this my own passions, my own desires, uh, my own biases, my own subjective opinions. That's why in this world we need something more concrete than that. And God has provided that to us in his word. That's where you should start, my dear friend. Again, a heartbreaking letter on so many different levels because there's obviously so much confusion going on here. And again, well, I'll I'll leave that alone. Let's get to Abby's response. This is the response after being asked, what do you think? Do gay people get into heaven? Here is the response. I believe that entrance to heaven is based upon a person's character, not his or her sexual orientation. Okay, my question, on what basis do you determine that? Because that's what you feel, because that's what you think would be right. So you're going to judge the moral authority of God based on your own personal moral authority. Understand the logical flaw that that is present there should be quite clear. If you are the created being, you are going to set up moral guidelines for the creator 
who gave you your sense of morality? That's an absurd proposition. Logically, it falls apart. It's just dumb. But here's Abby making this pronouncement. I believe that entrance to heaven is based on a person's character, not his or her sexual orientation. Well, Abby is dead wrong. A person's entrance into heaven, if it's based upon a person's character, God is perfect. And God's not going to allow anybody into heaven that isn't the same. And if, you are, if you're not perfect, you ain't making it. And I don't know of anybody outside of the God-man Christ that had perfect character. Nobody. So basically, in essence, we're all screwed. Unless, of course, we take the alternative path that God has provided. The sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. When we accept that gift that came at the cross, that sacrificial death, When God looks at us on Judgment Day, He doesn't see us. We're figuratively covered in the blood of His perfect Son and sacrifice. God sees not our faults and our failures. They've been wiped away, washed away by the blood of His perfect Son. That, that, that's the whole concept of redemption. Entrance into heaven is not based upon a person's character, Abby. It's based upon God's finished work in Christ and whether or not a person has accepted that gift. Abby went on and said, today, because of modern scientific studies, we know more about homosexuality than, than was known when the Bible was written, and that sexual orientation is not a, quote, choice. So many false statements, so many falsehoods in that one sentence, it's difficult uh, to, to, to begin First of all, the basic suppositions behind this today, because of modern scientific studies, what that means is that the scientific studies of today have somehow validated the homosexual lifestyle as, as being amoral, B, appropriate, C, uh, healthy, and none of that is true. None of that is accurate. I would agree with Abby that today modern science knows more about homosexuality uh, than the time that the Bible came to us. I would agree with that concept. But, but if Abby is suggesting that that means that homosexuality should be more acceptable today, I'll argue the exact opposite. You were on stronger footing back in biblical days to argue from a scientific point, uh, standpoint that homosexuality was inborn than you are today. Because of those scientific studies, not only do we know there is no gay gene and that while homosexual attractions may seem quite natural, there is nothing genetic that compels someone into homosexual conduct. We know that scientifically. Modern science has also demonstrated to us profound physical and emotional and psychological consequences that come from embracing that lifestyle. No matter how tolerant the community around you may be, the embrace of that lifestyle is extraordinarily unhealthy. You would have been on stronger footing in biblical days to make a scientific case for homosexuality's being inborn, being innocuous and not harmful, than you are today. So Abby is dead wrong on that and totally misleading. The next point I would make is we don't know more about uh, the, the science of homosexuality than the author of the Holy Scriptures. And, and there again... The idea that, that we know more about the consequences of homosexuality to say and to declare that it's okay than God 
<laughs> who made all the laws of science and who knows everything about each one of us, that we know more ab- about this situation than he does, is extraordinarily arrogant and extraordinarily foolish all at once. And finally, she writes, we know that sexual orientation is not a choice. Hold on a second. Desires, urges, temptations may not be chosen. I've spoken to way too many ex-gays on this radio program who have said, I didn't choose to have those attractions, and I didn't want those attractions, and I fought those attractions, and eventually I found deliverance from those attractions. The guy, uh, Jerry, that I read his email last week, who struggled with it for 54 years until he was able to conquer it through through the power of Jesus Christ. Urges may not be chosen, but sexual conduct always is. And just like we as Christians expect heterosexuals to not act on their urges if they find themselves attracted to a member of the opposite sex who is not their marital spouse, just like we Christians expect those uh, people whose urges towards pornography may be quite natural not to act upon those urges, um, it's the same thing with homosexuality. And it's not born out of hatred any more than we hate people who are tempted towards adultery, any more than we hate people that are tempted towards pornography or fornication or child molesting or bestiality or any other sexually depraved behavior you could put in there. Our disapproval and condemnation of that lifestyle of that behavior is not born out of hatred. It's born out of, first and foremost, an obedience to God and the authority of his word, which is much more trustworthy, much more reliable than anything that dear Abby has ever written. That's first and foremost. And secondly, it's born out of an awareness that homosexuality is sin and that the person engaging in it needs deliverance. Here's how I would answer the question. Do I think that there will be people who get into heaven who have struggled and even die struggling with homosexual temptations? Yes, I do. I do believe that there will be people in heaven who have accepted the grace of Christ and for the sake of the cross and for the cause of Christ have abandoned those temptations, have made them obedient to the will of God and not acted upon those urges that would lead them down a path that God says is destructive and sinful. Those people will certainly be in heaven. Not based on anything they've done or didn't do, but based solely upon the grace of Christ. That's the answer to your question. Sadly, our modern day gurus of advice don't have a clue how to answer some of these more difficult questions. It's pathetic. The problem, of course, is that uh, newspapers want somebody that can sum up their answer in like 12 words. And they're dealing with questions that deserve pages and pages. I mean, even what I've done here on the radio would take up pages and pages. And uh, it's it's just a small sampling of everything that needs to be said in this regard. So that's what happens with these little pellets of psychological psychobabble that that are poured out of the pen of Dear Abby. Just utter foolishness. But thanks for sending it in to me anyway. <laughs> and several of you do that. I'm not I'm not criticizing you for sending it in. I'm glad you did. It gave me a chance to uh to respond to this um nonsense. But um 
It's still nonsense, nonetheless. Thanks to our friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated, like those over at Century Villa Quality and Affordable Healthcare. If you're in the market for a nursing home, why don't you talk to the folks over at Century Villa? You can also check out Century Fields, the retirement center. It's at the same campus. You'll uh, find it there nestled along a nice little pond just outside of Greentown, half a mile north of the stoplight in Greentown. Feels like home at Century Villa. And also thanks to our friends at Norris Insurance for all of your insurance needs. They will come running. They have branches all over central Indiana, Amboy and Greentown and Converse. Check them out, Norris Insurance, for all of your insurance needs, whether it's home, law, life, auto, uh, liability coverage. Norris has always had us covered here at Attaboy, and they'll do the same with you. Grab a break. We'll come back. And when we do, David Gregory's asinine question over the weekend. You'll love it. Hey, Chris, I got a quick question for you. You suppose on the Rush Limbaugh show that, uh, you know, when buttons need to be flipped or switches need to be switched and all of that, you suppose Nerdly looks at Limbaugh and says, hey, why don't you get that? Is that the way it works there? Uh, on Beck's program, you think uh, Stu and who's the other one? Pat? I think they look at Beck and say, hey. Once you get up and go over there and get me a cup of coffee, you think that's the way it works? I don't think so. Just keep that in mind before you start bossing me around again. Just an internal squabble here on the program amongst the staff, but it'll be dealt with quickly. Got my pad of pink slips here next to me. All right, uh, thanks to our friends of Attaboy Productions <laughs> Incorporated, like those at Century Villa. Uh, quality and affordable health care. You'll find them at 705 North Meridian Street, half a mile north of the stoplight in Greentown, Indiana. Any uh, nursing home needs, they'll take care of you. Um, it feels like home at Century Villa, treating your loved ones as though they are their own family. Here's the story that is being run with by the Obama administration. Let me just read to you the report that comes from, uh, well, uh, this is an AP report. It's out all over the place, and the news media is running with it. Non-farm payroll employment rose by 115,000 in April, and the unemployment rate was little changed at 8.1 percent. Oh, yeah, it dropped a little bit to 8.1 percent, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today. And that's where the story ends. The, the, the headlines, remember, what do you think the percentage is? 90 percent, I would say it's probably above that, of the general population does not read stories in the newspapers. They don't read stories online. They look at headlines. The headline has become the story. Think of the culture that we're in. This isn't the Founding Fathers era where people were lapping up every pamphlet they could get their hands on because they gave them something to do. Not that they didn't have plenty of entertainment and all of that in their era. I'm not, I'm not mocking those that lived in the uh, revolutionary era. I'm just saying to you that our lives have become so consumer-driven, we're so busy, it is the fast food culture, people don't have time to sit and read a newspaper story. They don't have time to sit and read an Internet story. It's one of the things that I am really trying to... Uh, trying to master, and it's probably going to take me the rest of my life because I'm not, I'm just not good at taking what I think are complex issues and boiling it down to just a snapshot. And when I do, on on the Liberty Tree, 
I am constantly having to edit and cut and, and chop and try to only talk about the most important stuff because I understand nobody wants to click on a link and see, you know, 17 down scrolls, page downs that they have to hit to read your full commentary. Look, some issues have to be dealt with in, in their full context like that. But the reality is if we cannot communicate our ideas and our, our beliefs in shorter, stubbier ways, we're going to lose out on a lot of people. Because a lot of people aren't going to do it. Yes, we could look. We could lament that and say, "Oh, what has happened to the state of, of you know, the American mind? That all we want are these little uh, short segments and little short headlines, and that's all we need. That's all we want." I can lament that until the cows come home. It's not going to change the reality. So when people look at the headline here, when it comes to the unemployment stuff, what do they see? Unemployment rate dips to 8.1%, lowest in however many years. That's what they see. That's the way the headline is written. Nobody reads the actual U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm guessing the people that write the story don't even read the full U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics report. And in fact, I would guess that the people that work at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics... They probably all have a different part of that article that they work on or report that they work on. And somebody's job is just put it all together. That one person may be the only person in the world that actually reads the full report. And that's only until they figure out, wait a minute, nobody else is reading this. I don't care if there's transitions. Just put it out there. Nobody reads the full report. Let me read to you what is buried you move a little bit further down in this report, and what you see is, listen very carefully, the civilian labor force participation rate declined in April to 63.6%. What is the labor force participation rate? That's the people that are out there looking for work or working. The number of people who consider themselves employed or seeking employment continues to drop. People just leave the job market. They're not even trying anymore. They're living on a government check. They're living with their parents, whatever it is. That's what we're talking about here. And no, I'm not talking about lazy people either. I'm talking about people that have diligently sought work. Long-term, steady work. Workforce participation rate is now at a three-decade low. And all of that has occurred during what we're being told is the Obama recovery. Let me read to you what CNBC has to say about this. Listen, this is, this is incredible. Overall, the report painted a picture of, jobs, of a jobs market that had gotten a boost from unseasonably warm winter weather, but now has cooled. Now listen very carefully. This is the key. So stop whatever you're doing, you know, unless it's driving, and hear this. Though the headline number indicated job creation, the total employment level for the month actually fell 169,000. The disparity likely emanates from a drop in the labor force participation rate. The amount of discouraged workers swelled from 865,000 to 968,000, an increase of 12%. That's... That is more, we're talking more jobs there 
then uh, were supposedly added. Remember what was added? Non-farm uh, payroll employment rose by 115,000 in April. But the total employment level fell 169,000. This is, according to CNBC's report here, the weakest recovery since the Great Depression. More than four-fifths of the reduction in unemployment has been accomplished by a dropping adult labor force participation rate. Essentially, you go out and you tell adults they don't need a job or that the job that they can actually find is not worth having. That's according to University of Maryland economist Peter Morikai. You get that? Here's how Obama is leading his recovery. He's going out and telling people, eh, you don't need a job. They just give you a government check. It's our duty. It's our responsibility to be compassionate. Or telling people, oh, the job you could get at McDonald's, that's beneath you. It's not worth having. Put this in plain English. Overall employment in America is dropping dramatically. The number of people, total employment, is collapsing in America. There are no jobs. So when we start talking about a dip in the unemployment rate, then that's your counter. When I say the Obama economy is killing jobs, Obama is destroying jobs, his policies are a nightmare for jobs, and you say, oh yeah? Well, how come our unemployment rate's dipping to 8%? Because the people that just give up and leave the market aren't factored in. And more and more and more and more people than ever, more than in three decades, have just set sail, said, screw it, we're never going to find work. And yet this president, showing you how concerned he is about the status of our economy, how concerned he is about our economic livelihood here in America, our economic engine, your fam family's financial security, he goes out and champions that. See, we're lowering the unemployment rate. We're heading in the right direction. This is good news. No, it's not. This is a perfect example of how what's being reported as good news. Underlying that is a really, really, really piece of ba bad piece of news. Piece of bad news, So I meant to say. Yeah, unemployment dip. The reason is because people are giving up in larger numbers now. More than ever. 169,000 jobs in April. Total U.S. employment falls. This is the Obama economy. Listen, I don't care whether you like me. I don't care whether you like my politics. I don't care any, anything about that. I do believe that you care about your family, and I do believe that you care about your friends. I do believe you care about your local economy and your community. This president and his policies are crushing those things. The cost of living is increasing dramatically. The cost of gasoline is causing everything else to increase. Meanwhile, jobs are becoming more and more scarce. More people are living off of the government. And Barack Obama's grand solution is let's tax businesses more and let's tax the wealthy investors more. That's his solution. So the government can take their money and give it to these other people that they're saying, eh, you don't need a job anyway. That is not a solution, and it's not sustainable. Uh, 
what was it Krauthammer said about the socialist victory in France? You can't repeal economics. I would make that plea to the American people to realize before we go the way of France and re-elect a socialist. You can't repeal economics. And what we're seeing, the weakest, quote-unquote, recovery since the Great Depression. And I don't know what the heck kind of recovery you think it is when, when 169,000 people walk away from the employment market in April. I don't know what in the world kind of a definition of recovery you've got if that's what you call a recovery. Um, but that is that is the state of where we are. And it's nothing we want more of. Thanks to our friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated, like those over, excuse me, at Parker Creative Services. Go online to check them out, parkercreativeservices.com. Submit your, uh, your information, your inquiry. You can get a free quote from Keith about what it would cost for whatever kind of logo or ad design that you're looking for. Also great print options that they've got at Parker Creative Services. Custom graphics, and you will love what they're able to do, the quick turnaround time as well. Check them out today, parkercreativeservices.com, and thank them for being good friends of Attaboy. Hilariousness, again, from MSNBC. This time, uh, ripping Mitt Romney, of course. Um, but what for? Because a voter at an event where Romney was made some comment about how Obama was committing treason, and Mitt Romney didn't uh, come out and condemn it right away. So here we go with this old standard logic that we've seen before. You remember that in 2008, Sarah Palin didn't, she didn't reprimand the person in the crowd who, who shouted out, kill him, of Barack Obama. Secret Service said it never happened. But MSNBC ran with it anyway, so it's no surprise to see him running with the same template. They're just recycling the same stuff that got Obama elected the first time. Romney didn't, didn't dismiss it. He didn't condemn it, which is kind of weird that MSNBC is criticizing Mitt Romney for not condemning treason talk. Why is it weird? Well, I'd love to tell you. If you stick around, I will. We do it next right here on the Peter Hegg Radio Show. Back here on the Peter Hegg Radio Show. Thanks to our friends over at Jay Watson Creations, 401 Rainbow Drive. If you've got any custom jewelry needs or any jewelry needs at all, take it over to Jeff at Jay Watson Creations. He can turn out a quality product for you. You say, yeah, but I've got kind of wild tastes. Well, that's exactly why you need a custom jeweler to make things, to design things exactly as you see them in your mind. Nobody's better at that than Jeff. Jay Watson Creations, 401 Rainbow Drive. Thank them for being good friends of Attaboy. All right, so let's do this. Let's dive in and dissect the audio of President Obama. Let me just put this as plainly and as bluntly as I can. When a person like Barack Obama, and it doesn't have to be the sitting president of the United States, it's just more profound, it's more noteworthy when it is someone in a position of earthly authority. It's bad enough when any individual does it in their own life, exalt themselves and their own wisdom and their own sense of compassion and morality above their creator, above the moral authority, above God. It's bad enough when an individual does it, but when the leader that you have selected for your country does this, it's even more remarkable and noteworthy. And make no mistake, that is exactly what this statement is. It is a proclamation where Barack Obama is declaring the word of God 
to be invalid, to be wrong, worst case scenario, to be bigoted, corrupt, and discriminatory. Obama is saying God is wrong on the issue of homosexuality, and I am right. Do not understate it. That's what is being said here. Uh, when When you decide that something that God's word says is wrong and is sinful, when you arbitrarily decide that it's not, then you are calling the word of God false. You are calling the word of God lies and deception. And therefore you are calling God himself a liar and deceiver. You want to talk about audacity. There you go. Let's roll the clip of Barack Obama's very thoughtful statement on homosexuality. Roll the clip. I have to tell you, as I said, I've been going through an evolution on this issue. Um, I've always been adamant that uh, gay and lesbian uh, Americans should be treated fairly. They already are. They already are. Uh, actually, that, actually, stop it. It's not, that's not true. You look at all the statistics, those who practice homosexuality by disproportionate numbers have and more advanced degrees. They have a higher median income. They have a higher standard of living. This whole notion of this mass discrimination against those that practice homosexuality is just not true by any objective analysis of the uh, present social data that we've got. Now, there may be a lot of people that don't condone their sexual practices, but in terms of earthly success and their rights being denied and them to be held in back alleys or in the back of the bus, it isn't anywhere close to being accurate. They have all of the same rights, and that's an important thing to remember. This battle is not over rights. It is about a privilege of marriage that, by the way, the government restricts like crazy. I shouldn't say like crazy, but there are key restrictions that are placed. There are certain um, there are certain standards you have to meet if you're going to get married. Okay, so there are other groups that I guess are being discriminated against by the law. I don't see any massive call for those folks who want to marry underage people. I don't see any of those uh, you know those movements. For people that want to marry multiple folks. I don't see any of those movements for people that want to marry, uh, you know, relatives like a cousin. There are all kinds of different sexual behaviors and preferences that are restricted by law when it comes to marriage. Marriage is a privilege. It's not a right. They got that backwards. Well, Barack Obama does anyway. What we're talking about here is not an issue of rights. 14th Amendment already covers all those rights. And it doesn't matter what your orientation is, what you do in the bedroom, you're still protected by that 14th Amendment. It's just utter deception. And and again, maybe Obama's the deceived one here. Doesn't stop him from being wrong on this issue. Maybe he hasn't thought all this stuff through. I tend to believe he has. But maybe he hasn't. Doesn't change the fact that he's wrong. That's why, in addition to everything we've done in this administration, rolling back "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," uh, so that uh, you know outstanding Americans can serve our country. Already uh, could. They already could. Here's another example. If you have some outstanding American that wants to serve our country, there was nothing prohibiting him or her from doing that. 
but that him or her who wanted to serve their country understands when they go into the military, there are certain, certain, in fact, a lot of restrictions on certain kinds of behavior. And some of those behavior restrictions are sexual in nature. There are restrictions against uh, promiscuity. There are restrictions against adultery. Now, are those restrictions anti-heterosexual? Are they discriminatory against heterosexuals? No, they discriminate against a certain kind of sexual behavior. A person who who believed themselves to be gay, a person who was uh, somebody who enjoyed homosexual conduct, they could still serve their country. There was no ban on a group of people. It was a ban on a certain kind of behavior. Obama, again, deceiving. Keep going. Uh, Whether it's no longer defending the Defense Against Marriage Act, which... Uh, tried to federalize uh, what has historically been state law. Uh, Okay, you do realize, first of all, the idea that Barack Obama is worried at all about the federalization of domains that used to belong to the states is so laughable, I'm going to choke on my own tongue. The guy that's running roughshod over the states. Guy's got, what was it, 26 states? They just brought a lawsuit against him, creamed his lawyer in front of the Supreme Court. The guy that's suing Arizona? The guy that's uh, threatening every Medicaid dollar to the state of Indiana if he doesn't get his way on Planned Parenthood, he's suddenly worried about the federal government intruding on the rights of the states. It's a crock. And and not to mention the fact that here's a sitting president of the United States whose job it is uh, to execute the laws of Congress, bragging that he has chosen to not execute the law of Congress, which is his job description. Just an incredible piece of audio. Keep going with it. I've stood on the side of broader equality for uh, the LGBT community. What does that even mean, broader equality? Equal justice under the law? No, actually what Barack Obama has stood for with his support of hate crimes legislation is the upending of equal justice under the law. When you protect somebody's life to a greater degree, in other words, you exact harsher punishments for hurting them, simply because they practice a certain kind of sexual behavior, and you protect their lives greater than other Americans because they don't practice it, that's not equal justice. If I know going out and killing Bob, who is gay, is going to get me 80 years in prison, but going out and killing Jerry is only going to get me 40 years in prison because he's not gay, I am protecting Bob's life to a greater degree than I am Jerry's life. You see how that works? It's not equal justice, Mr. President. It's the exact opposite. Um, And I had hesitated on gay marriage, uh, in part because I thought civil unions would be sufficient, that that was something that would give people hospital visitation rights and uh, other uh, elements that we take for granted. Okay, Uh, first of all, it was sufficient. It did offer all of those things. Um, the, the issue, Mr. Obama, is that this is an aggressive movement that is wanting a cultural transformation. This isn't about equality, and that's why those actions to bring about what you saw as equality weren't good enough. Because this isn't about equal rights. That was achieved a long time ago. This is about special privileges, special rights. Uh, and uh, I was sensitive to the fact that uh, for a lot of people... You know, the, the word marriage was something that evokes very powerful traditions, religious beliefs, and so forth. 
Um, <laughs> but I have to tell you that I'm glad, I'm glad you acknowledge that, sir. We we sure do appreciate you uh, uh, from up there on Mount Olympus, understanding our you know silly little traditions and religious customs. Thank you. Over the course of uh, several years, Here as I talk to. By the way, real quickly, and then I'm going to let this play. I'm going to let this play pretty much for the rest of the clip. Because this is where he's announcing it. I want you to listen to uh, the justification for his change of heart on this issue. And you tell me if it's rooted in anything concrete. Is this rooted in anything beyond just his own personal emotions and experiences? I'm not saying that emotions and experiences are bad. I'm saying when you are making a worldview-shifting concrete decision is there anything foundational or fundamental behind it upon which he bases his um transformation or is this all nothing but pure moral relativism whatever's right for somebody is right for somebody and i can't tell him any different you listen to this as he explains and you answer the question this is family and neighbors, uh, when I think about uh, members of my own staff who are in incredibly committed monogamous relationships, same-sex relationships, who are raising kids together, uh, when I think about uh, those soldiers or airmen or Marines or uh, sailors who are out there fighting on my behalf uh, and yet feel constrained, even now that Don't Ask, Don't Tell is gone, because... Feel constrained by what? Feel, con- feel constrained that they can't go out and mate with the next... It's just incredible to me. What about all of the restrictions on, on uh, heterosexual adultery? Are we restraining those people, uh, married, uh, married people in the military? Is it an unfair restraint on them to ban whatever you know, s- sexual urge and lust they have? Is that an unfair restraint? This is just all psychobabble this is all gobbledygook it's all moral relativistic uh, relativistic fluff that's it uh they're not able to uh commit themselves in a marriage uh at a certain point i've just concluded that um for me personally it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, i think same-sex couples should be able And the rest of the clip went on to say should be able to get married. On ABC, let me sum it up for you. The president of the United States, and this is going to make a lot of you Democrats that support President Obama but go to church every Sunday, it's going to put you in a really tough bind. The president of the United States just announced he's smarter than God. He's more moral than God. He's more compassionate than God. He has made the conscious decision to reject the authority of God's word on the issue of homosexuality. He will not regard it as sin. He he will not stick with the words of Jesus about what a family is. Obama is declaring God was wrong. Obama is declaring that the positions outlined in Scripture about homosexuality, that they are bigoted, that they are prejudiced, and that they need to be consigned to the past. Do not understate what is occurring right here. 
when an average person declares that homosexual marriage is acceptable, homosexuality should be embraced and condoned in society, they are doing the same thing. Okay, this isn't isolated to Barack Obama alone. It is simply more noteworthy when the leader of a country founded upon Judeo-Christian principles with laws that were supposed to be held in accordance with the moral truth of the Creator, when that sitting president goes out and declares, I am smarter than God, I'm right, God is wrong, I, the created being, have a better sense of, of morality and justice, social justice and right, I have a greater sense and understanding of that than God the author of those moral expectations. You know, he said it was wrong. That's because he's a bigot. That's because you know, he's a discriminator. That is a profound thing to be saying. And those of you who support him, I hope that you are treading lightly and I hope that you're treading fearfully as you consider what your vote might mean. This is not a great moment, regardless how it's portrayed in the media, regardless the talking points coming from the homosexual lobby. This is not a great moment for our country. And it's a very, very concerning moment for those that continue to support President Obama because he has now outwardly said, God's a bigot, God is prejudiced, God is wrong, and I am right. All I can say to that is, yikes. Thanks to our friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated, like those over at Creative Financial Center. CFCAdvisors.com is their website. Or, of course, you can visit them at MickOwens.com. Listen to the audio clips that they've got there on their website for the basics of how they set forward or how they go forward in helping you plan for retirement, for your, uh, you know, for your college fund, whatever it is. Estate planning, they handle all of those things. They've been longtime friends of Attaboy Productions Incorporated. Couldn't do anything that we've done without them. And, uh, and, and certainly they build up a great reputation, too, as a financial planning center. But you take advantage of them. Also, if you, uh, you, know, you buy some mutual funds, you want to make sure that it's values-based investing, uh, you can do that over at Creative Financial Center. But you've got to set up a meeting with them today. Thank them for being good friends of Attaboy Productions when you do. I want to add one more thing to all of this, and that is the justification Joe Biden gave for his thoughts on the issue. 